Coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. A good first step is to find breakfasts that you like that have very, very uh, low amounts of carbs that are protein and fat. And just start with that one meal. That, that'll, that'll make such a difference because our bodies overnight replenish our blood glucose, which is why when you go to a doctor, and actually when you have insulin resistance, you can even have dawn phenomena. So you already have all the blood glucose that you possibly need, often too much when you wake up. So adding any carbs at breakfast is just, just the worst time to do it. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed fasting method coach Larry Diamond. He successfully lost 120 pounds and has reversed his metabolic syndrome and sleep apnea through intermittent fasting and a real whole food diet. We discussed his health journey, his small steps that make a huge difference, how to overcome being hungry all the time, the importance of not snacking, the power of fasting, and his one tip to get your body back to what it once was. So I really enjoyed this interview with Larry Diamond. He coaches others through the fasting method and his experience. There's a lot to learn from it. So enjoy this episode and thanks so much for listening. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin and I have a special guest, Larry Diamond on. Welcome to the show, Larry. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here. Happy 2021 to you and your audience. Yes, 2021. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. Um, I know my audience, I talk quite a bit about keto, intermittent fasting. We're going to talk about all that today. Um, but before we get into that, perhaps tell the audience maybe your story um, and your journey. I know you have quite a, uh, quite a health journey uh, to share. Yeah, so uh, my uh, health journey started in 2013. My uncle, who was my father figure growing up, had gotten uh, uh, advanced Alzheimer's. And we had become un unknowns to us. He, he was living alone. I was his closest family. We were trying to get him to move into our home. When he retired, he refused and uh, he kind of hit it. So it, at late 2012, there, we, we had to take him in. It, it, it had progressed really far. Um, at that time, I was, uh, around 290, 300 pounds. I'm five, nine. I had been even larger than that in the past. So for over two decades, wow. I had been between 350 or over 350 and around 270. And so my uncle's uh, journey and what had happened and to see such a brilliant, kind man uh, suffering uh, with Alzheimer's and we had talked about him uh, having a great time with us and the other thing going on in 2013 was we had a newly adopted daughter so we were able to adopt her in uh, 2011 
So when my uncle came to us with this condition, she had um, been part of our family before that for six months, but it was about a year after the adoption. And I was uh, 47 at the time, about to turn 48. And I was really questioning, I didn't let my wife know my full concerns, but I was questioning if I would make 50. Mm-hmm. And uh, along with the morbid obesity, there was sleep apnea, uh, severe IBS, brain fog, um, very low energy, um, anxiety, uh, just a whole problems breathing, uh, just a whole slew of health conditions. And one, I, I remember this very clearly, um, and we can talk about it. I, I do have a background. I started at chemical engineering, did not get a degree in chemical engineering, then went to molecular biology, ended up getting degrees in geography. But within geography, I was focused on agricultural uh, agriculture, because that's the quintessential human activity. And in a lot of ways, uh, that primed me for paleo and primal, that aspect of my journey, because I was literally studying how our ancestors used the environmental conditions and the resources that their particular um, ecological, uh, biological setting provided for them to thrive and become healthy. So uh, I had that background, but I remember in 2013, really kind of uh, this thought went through my head, what if his Alzheimer's is a form of diabetes because his mom, my grandmother, in the early 70s was, when it was much less common, did pass from type two after having her leg amputated. That was one of my earliest memories, visiting her in the hospital. So in a way, uh, a subcontext of my entire life had been what's going on with my family in particular, and also my wife's family that I married into. Why are so many people suffering from what I come, came to know is insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome, or hyperinsulinemia? I don't know if these thoughts were going through my head for years or decades, but I had the thought, what if, what if it's the carbs? So when I reached what I call my go time, other people call it finding your why, high motivation. I started May 1st. I know a lot of people start January 1st, mm-hmm. but what's important is when you reach this go time, I was so thankful for the first time, I call it ready, fire, aim, you know, a lot of times we just accept what's told to us, even though in our own lives, it failed over and over in our spouse's life, the, the move more, eat less, all calories are equal. We still kind of do that. So what I did was pull back and do a ready aim fire. So the aiming part was actually, I was fortunate to have this science background geography, molecular biology, that's a a really cool combo. So I went to the internet (laughs) and I use social media and it's why I'm so appreciative that people like you um, pay it forward and share because how I really started healing was with finding a community. I found somebody named Sam Feltham 
who had a Smash the Fat podcast at that time. And he's now the director of the public health collabor collaboration in the UK, an amazing grassroots organization. And people should check out his website. I found people like Peter Atia telling me about Ansel Keys and how there wasn't any really compelling evidence that um, fats, especially natural fats, were um, something to be concerned about. Also, Professor Tim Noakes in South Africa, who went on an intellectual change journey. So I found this wonderful community, and I made this key point that I wasn't going to accept anything that I had heard about what is or isn't healthy, what is or isn't a healthy food, and I was going to really ask why, <laughs> mm. and really think through things and come to my own conclusions. So that's how everything began. Wow. Yeah. So so it began. So 2013, uh, you sort of hit a wall, I would say, or you you know you had an epiphany that whatever these guidelines that were given out are wrong. And you did your own research, which nowadays there's a ton of information out there right on the web, more and more. And um, what, what was sort of your first step? You said you started in May, was it May of 2013? Yeah, my first step was, um, well, so there was some small but very actionable steps that I did at home that were really empowering and set the stage. Yeah, what were those? so that was the pantry makeover. Mm, okay. So I remember, and even though my wife had not reached her go time, she's such a supportive partner. So, um, you know, I had that this thought, what if it is the carbs? And then there was another intellectual thought I had. Why, and people that have never been um, morbidly obese, and I understand both the lived aspect of it and the science of it now, we are always, always hungry. That's what people that have never become truly hyperinsulinemic, high insulin levels and blood sugar swings throughout the day, we, we have no access to our own body fat. We, we get hungry every time our, our blood glucose and um, hypoglycemia, it's our brain running low on energy, it can't use fat, it can't produce ketones at that point. It's literally signaling to us throughout the day because of the state that we've come in to eat. So it's this carb roller coaster kind of vicious cycle. And so I was like, one of my breakthroughs along with maybe it is the carbs was my wife actually said, you're an emotional eater, I think. And I, and I said, you know, it, there's certainly so much emotion <laughs> and <laughs> tied up with everything going on. But I also said, I'm just hungry all the time. <laughs> it felt like a physical hunger. So I actually went to the internet and I realized this was great. I realized that not all foods made me um, equally hungry and it didn't seem to be correlated with calories because I put in kind of, I would have fast food probably three, four or five times a week. I put in the calories to one of their, their websites and it was well over 2000, maybe in one meal, but I could be hungry two hours later. Mm. So I was like, why is this happening? It didn't feel like emotional. 
I, I simply felt physically hungry. So those were, and um, sadly, when you think about it, the conventional expert explanation for a lot of the rise in obesity eventually does come down to um, gluttony and sloth. <laughs> um, but what I, what I went beyond was trying to think of hunger, at the biological underpinnings of hunger. I didn't know that was where my journey was taking me, but I had this lived experience. Why can I not burn my own body fat? I have obviously have at that time in 2013, I was 290 pounds at 5'9". So it's a, it's a really profound question. Why can't morbidly, it is maybe the question, why can't morbidly obese people burn their own body fat throughout the day, a little bit each and every day, and go a long time without eating by burning their own body fat? Why? So. Well, yeah, and you talk about uh, your pantry makeover. <clears throat> oh, sorry. I, yeah, I, no, I, I, I like that. I always you know, talk about, you know, if you don't buy foods that you won't eat them. Right. Uh, I'm curious to know, uh, what your, how your pantry makeover, um, came about and what did, what did you change? So, um, I remember, um, I don't know, again, maybe these things were percolating underneath, mm -hmm. but, um, and we can talk about this. I realized that the newer, um, seed oils that are very, very high in something called polyunsaturated fatty acids or insects were not healthy. So as part of the makeover, I remember we had a bottle, of, I'll just say of some type of vegetable oil, it really doesn't matter right. if it was corn, canola, soy, whatever it was. But I remember doing a little dance, <laughs> kind of taking it from the pantry kind of walking over to and, and dunking it. And it was so empowering. <laughs> and these things are so cheap. So I maybe right. threw away two or $3 worth of seed oils, but it was so empowering to do that. And I also told my wife and she was supportive. I said, I'm never buying bread and pasta ever again. So any um, bread or pasta that was there also got dunked into the trash can. I know it's a slightly wasteful, but you know that that food was um, creating so many health problems, and my wife went with that as well when she was in our in our home. Also, for me, um, uh, candy, ice cream, and potato chips, because I definitely had a snacking and eating up almost to the time of going to sleep habit. Yeah, no, I mean th that right there can make like a huge difference. Um, maybe talk about like the emotional mental part of it. I had, um, uh, Drew Manning on, he's that fit, fat, fit guy. And, uh, you know, he's gone from obviously being 70, 75 pounds overweight and, and brought it back. That was uh, years past and he's done it again. You know, he's going back to, to getting fit, but he talked a lot about that. The mental emotional part, w was that the most difficult part for you? Or what, what sort of, um, you know, help, help make you make it easier for you? Yeah, and I'm a big fan of, of Drew's and people should definitely check it out because he in, intentionally gained 70 pounds to 
get a better understanding of some of the issues, the emotional and the lived experience of his clients, because um, he had adopted um, being uh, really in the fitness um, for his youth. And so he wanted to understand his, his clients um, uh, better. I think for me, the biggest thing was that I had always accepted um, this uh, phrase, but I could never do it. Um, just eat real food. I, I, I understood that food was, well, I don't want to overstate it, but I did reach a point where I understood the food choices were well beyond, um, you know, brain fog and low energy and the obesity and how I appeared to other people, they were endangering my life. Mm -hmm. So there is almost a kind of learned helplessness that you want to make this change. And I've, it's so common and it's so common for people that are exceptional in their careers, are able to raise kids, are able to be involved in community service, do all these amazing day in and day out things, but they, they can't get control over their eating habits. And for me, I needed um, kind of these small habit changes when I was the most motivated Mm -hmm. And the first couple weeks did involve willpower. It's what I tell a lot of my clients. It's the fake it until you make it state. Mm -hmm. I didn't know this was going to happen. I just, but what I found was after two or three weeks of really kind of being intentional. And also I didn't care about fat loss at the beginning. I didn't care about weight loss. And I only uh, I only lost two pounds my first month. I knew intuitively that success hinged on overcoming constant hunger. And I was like, let me try, let me try this a different way with changing not the amount of foods I eat, but what I eat. And if I, I, I was becoming aware of blood sugar swings and hyperglycemia, and I know a lot more now the biology of hunger, and also that natural fats are healthy. And people were proposing that low carb, high healthy fat had a hunger advantage. That, and so I was intentional the first two or three weeks and especially the first two or three days, um, that metabolic switch over, I did have some, I did feel worse and even loopy because my body cannot produce ketones or run on free fatty acids. So my brain did have an energy deficit. Mm -hmm. So I want to make people aware of that. Magnesium and salt can help, mm -hmm. but there, you're literally retooling your metabolism to switch from burning glucose every day to switch for burning your either plate fat or your own body fat, which is exactly what we want. And body fat is like a gigantic log. So it makes as we're gonna probably talk about not snacking. It's like a clean burning, it's great for mitochondria. So you get that, you don't produce as many reactive oxygen species, but on a, on a more practical lived experience, you're able to not have food control your life anymore. So it, it did involve um, 
a willingness to go for it, for understanding the science. But the great thing, Brian, was unlike any other thing, after two or three weeks, the hunger went down. So it kept getting progressively easier. Whereas every attempt before, I would get more and more hungry with starvation mode. So um, was it white knuckling? Not really, because I love, and this is another great aspect to, to share with your audience, mm -hmm. the foods that got me healthy, I'd always loved it as a kid. I think they're, they're foods that humans resonate with. In fact, it's almost a luxurious or rich diet, you know, meat and veg with lots of butter, or <laughs> olive oil. So it, the great thing was the food that healed me is the food that I continue to love now seven years later. So it wasn't this, you know, rice cakes and, <laughs> mm -hmm. and you know, uh, bean curd or whatever, you know, non-pleasurable diet. And I, I think that's a breakthrough. I think humans have a fat tooth. So once we understand the science that natural fats are healthy, we can then switch over to a diet that is satiating, um, that reduces insulin, that um, takes us to become fat burning. And it's the diet that both heals us and it's our maintenance diet, which is awesome. That's like the gold standard. Yeah, no, that is great. And um, yeah, I know you talk all about, you know, hunger, controlling hunger. I mean, that's so key. What I know you mentioned magnesium, you know, some people are, are, you know, might need to up their salt intake, um, yes. to help control hunger. What other tips do you have that you use to help sort of, you know, control your hunger and obviously, you know, eating, like you mentioned, healthy fats and things like that was a big piece to it. But what other things did you do to help with hunger? Yeah. Know that it's a process. Hydration is also important. Right. A lot of times, um, people, uh, we can be getting uh, feeling hungry and it's actually uh, low hydration because food has a lot of water in it. Mm. So um, remember to be hydrated. Also, um, I think the best thing, and we were telling everyone in our circle, you know, we'll talk more about intermittent fasting, but a, a good first step is to find breakfasts that you like that have very, very, uh, low amounts of carbs that are protein and fat and just start with that one meal that that'll that'll make such a difference because our bodies overnight replenish our blood glucose which is why when you go to a doctor and actually when you have insulin resistance you can even have dawn phenomena so you're already have all the blood glucose that you possibly need often too much when you wake up. So adding any carbs at breakfast is just, just the worst time to do it. And, and um, so start with like bacon and eggs. It doesn't have to be bacon and eggs. It could be eggs and avocado, maybe a, a, a little tomato um, could be leftover. I like warming up, like if I um, cooked a roast, you know, some, some meat and an omelet. So kind of a, a steak omelet in the morning, but just start with that one 
change. And what you'll be doing for your body is you won't have that low sugar, which prompts even anyone to start looking around their work environment or their home environment for uh, quick energy. So we want to avoid that by, by the first step would be to have a breakfast as low carb with some nice protein and, and healthy fats in it. Yeah. And I, momentum. Yeah. I like, I like that tip that first meal or whenever it is, right. Whenever, um, it, is, yeah. whenever it is, uh, like people start breakfast, they'll have a muffin. Like that's like, you know, a blueberry muffin, right? Like <clears throat> that's not a great way to start the day <clears throat> per se, like you said, because, <clears throat> excuse me, you're going to get start on that sort of insulin um, roller coaster, that blood sugar roller coaster that's going to affect the rest of your day. Um, perhaps I know we'll talk about fasting. How did you start implementing fasting? Was it something you did right away? I know obviously you, you, you changed, you know, you cleaned out your pantry. Um, when did you start implementing fasting? Yeah. So what was interesting was that method of, um, so I mentioned not being hungry after the two or three weeks. So uh, I'm, I wasn't measuring blood glucose at the time, but I felt um, like I was no longer on that roller coaster that you just, uh, you just described. And that took so you about, then, and, that, and that took you about like a month maybe to get, to get that honed in, give or take. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I was up to that time, I was having uh three meals a day. And this is so critical. So in, in our fasting method program, we, we take people on all kinds of different protocols. And um, we found something called alternate day fasting is an excellent protocol, but the kind of hallmark solid base that is for advanced fasters, for Dr. Fung or Megan Ramos, our president herself, to me or my wife, who've now done this for seven years, is not snacking, not snacking. That is really the hallmark. And especially um, Dr. Fung has talked about this up until like the 70s or even early 80s, the average um, amount of times eating was three a day. Mm-hmm. And then now it's become six, eight, 10. Right. And as much as um, sugar and seed oils and flowers and ultra processed foods are uh, culpable um, and in obesity code and diabetes code, he talks about this. It's not only using insulin, but it's how frequently any of us trigger insulin throughout the day. Then we become resistant. Our body literally stops listening to it. Um, I heard somebody named Sean Stevenson our talk about, think of it as a direct message. Hormones are messengers. They send signals. They're communication aids for our, our, our body to work well. When you snack, um, all of a sudden insulin signaling starts going to the spam folder. Isn't that empowering? It starts going to the spam folder. Our body no longer listens to insulin. It becomes insulin resistant. So long story short, I, I just somewhere about three weeks, a month, five weeks, I just started organically without even knowing the term time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting, not having breakfast. 
So that's how it started. And sometimes as my fat burning ramped up and my metabolic healing, my inflammation went down. So a hormone called leptin, my body could then sense all the extra fat I had. And what's so cool about this, I think my metabolic rate even went up, even though I wasn't eating as much because leptin kind of controls metabolic rate. So then a lot of times I would just not really forget, but just not be hungry at work. So I had some one meal a day. So it was, it was not intentional. It was a result of all this hormonal and metabolic healing. And yeah, it was pretty awesome. It just happened kind of organically. Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, you know, you got up to what, like almost 300 pounds, right? And it probably took you your whole life to get to that point, right? Like, oh, I, yeah, I, I, that's much, but in the, my um, late 20, I think there might have been some exposure and, and, or reactions to some pharmaceuticals, because mm. I, I never really wanted to, to blame this, but I was always husky. I'm 55. So mm. um, it, it, it was called husky clothes. So mm. and again, with my grandmother, getting um, type two and having her leg amputated in the 1970s, I think my family genetics, I very much love epigenetics, epi above that, but I, so it means genes are not destiny. Genes are not destiny. And I communicate that to our fasting method members all the time, both the science and my lived and my wife's lived example that genes are, are not um, uh, our destiny whatsoever. So I, I think I'm, prone even more so ironically than the average person to insulin resistance and obesity and type two with, you know, our, our high, high carb frequent snacking, um, food culture. Um, so I did get up to 350, like I mentioned by around 27. So I certainly, but ironically, I never developed type two. And um, we don't have time to get into all, all the rabbit holes, but there is something that people might want to look up called um, personal fat threshold. I wasn't healthy, but we, many of us have different abilities to put on subcutaneous fat. And that's very, very important for your audience because a lot of people can become type two, never being above 25 on the BMI. They can have double digit A1Cs because they have less capacity to um, put excess energy or excess calories from the frequent snacking into subcutaneous fat. So the, the fat starts going into their organs, so forth and so on. But yeah, I got really large, you know, at a what I would consider a very young age. So it it now what Dr. Fung, once it happened, I think this is the key, Brian, once it happened, then it kind of sets up a vicious cycle because um, I probably got fatty liver and fatty pancreas. So then when I might have a meal of even real food carbs or eat like somebody who didn't have uh, fatty pancreas and fatty liver, 
my blood glucose would go up on theirs. So then that's what's so powerful about the fasted. Because when people themselves in this situation, fasting can literally, it, we call it therapeutic fasting. It can literally start reversing in really powerful ways. What, what we found is even people doing keto and real food, mindful of natural fats, just crushing it with keto, but still eating four or five, six times a day can't reach their goals because they really need to add the fasting to give their bodies an opportunity to get that additional fat burning within their organs. That's why it's so powerful what we do. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and fasting such a powerful method. And I, I like to think of it as almost just like a tool in the toolbox. Um, you know, <laughs> people, I think get, I think people fear fasting, they think like it's almost like they're going to starve themselves. How do you explain it to your clients when, for, to someone that's never done fasting before? <clears throat> sure. One of the best ways and the most illuminating is um, what we call riding the hunger wave. And there's been a lot of science. So, um, and I was this way too. Uh, we are, our bodies are so, so adaptable, which is, can kind of go the wrong way, but then knowing that it can go the right way. And they quickly adapt to new habits, like becoming fat adapted. Mark Sisson, who I love, and I'm a primal certified health coach, um, you know, really does talk. I mentioned the three weeks, you know, the three weeks of consistency, really we become different at the metabolic level. So it's, you people will, will experience hunger, especially if they've never fast, but what they've never experienced is by having this intent being motivated, it's like shocking to them that if they're able to um, have some water, have some salt, and we do recommend one and a half teaspoons as a good starting point, that's around 3,200 milligrams taken throughout the day. People take it in various ways. And we, we literally recommend real salt, which is Redmond real salt or Himalayan salt, a good um, natural form of salt. Um, you know, sea salts have all these micronutrients and they're, believe it or not, there can be ultra processed salts mm -hmm. that have all kinds of additives and caking agents. You wanna stay away from those but it's called riding the hunger wave. And once people can get to like 30 minutes or an hour, the hunger goes away. It, it goes away, especially, especially if they can combine that with the protein and fat breakfast. Right, and yeah, yeah, go yeah, ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the, because almost everyone I thinks won't sink, it gets, that they'll get, and hungrier. So it makes logical sense that, quote unquote, they can't do fasting or it would be super painful or not. So it's those riding the hunger waves, which is a skill like anything else. Mm -hmm. And, and what can be helpful, I, I found is, um, again, starting with the three meals and, and really focusing for the first few weeks on not snacking, say my fasting. I also think people go 
backwards if they try like a three-day fast off the bat. It's really painful. It would be akin to somebody wanting to do cardio who had never run doing a five or 10K. I've done 5Ks, but I built myself up to that. If I went from not running to a 5K, my legs would not, even if I could mentally tough it out, I would be so sore. I would mm -hmm. never want to run again. Right. If you do a three day fast and you you just feel miserable and your body can't burn its own body fat and your brain's screaming and you're not properly, uh, you don't have the electrolytes mm -hmm. and you just feel, then you may never fast again. So you do not want to do that. You want to be aware. You want to get a good, if it's our group, I love the fasting method, but you want to get some great, great knowledge on how to do fasting well and to build up your fasting muscle. Yeah. I love how you, how you say that, like your fasting muscle. Um, I, I like to, cause I coach some people through fasting is, and I have a journal and in the journal, what we'll do is, and I like to start, like, I think, you know, you can take it, take it in steps of, you know, maybe first, like you said, clean out the pantry, take, you know, try to just focus on whole foods. Then from there, you know, perhaps go to three meals a day if you were yes. doing five or six as a next step. And then once you get that down, then perhaps maybe push back your breakfast. I like to, you know, maybe, right. So maybe if you're used to eating at seven, eight in the morning, just push it back an hour and maybe do that for a week or a few days until like, but like, you know, going to your point, like you said, like starting out with a three day fast is probably going to set you up for failure and you're better off sort of easing into the whole fasting process. And then once you get the hang of it, cause I was the same way. I, I never fasted my whole life. And then I got into it. And I remember when I first started doing it, I'm a big golfer. I was like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to eat going into this golf round. I, and I played, I think it was maybe it's like a mid morning round. And then I realized on the course <laughs> that was probably not the smartest idea. My body was just not, <clears throat> not ready for it. And, um, yeah, I just was, I had major hunger pains. Um, cause I, you know, I think, right. I, so yeah, I think the key, like you mentioned is ease into it. Um, and yeah. And then the results of, you know, you'll be able to do it for a longer period of time, uh, down the road. And we also talk a lot about mindset and this is so, so powerful. And, uh, that we, we term, uh, fasting days or the times when we're, we're fasting as healing times mm -hmm. and then combining that with real food that is really that we handle well as kind of healthy rebuilding times. So think about how powerful that would be to have both of these habits. So literally every day you're either healing or rebuilding healthily. So then that's just going to and even if there's a fraction of 1% healing and rebuilding well each day with 30 days, right. you know, and then 365 days, the results will be astounding. And something that you mentioned, we also make our members aware and why not snacking is so powerful. Three meals plus three snacks, essentially to the body, that's six meals. And, and then the other thing that we talk about, because a lot of people um, listening to your podcast and wanting to go on a health journey, and we call it taking control of our health, 
Will heard terms like 16.8 or 18.6. Mm -hmm. um, and it's important when, so when people are able to do the two meals, let's say, and push that back, the first meal, the breakfast, going back to the original word, mm. breakfast, break fast. So whenever that happens to be, um, that you eat in two eating windows, um, maybe 90 minutes to start and then 60 minutes that you're mindful and present with your meal, but maybe eat from 11 to 12 and then five to six, but not throughout the eating window. So then insulin's only used two times a day and you can look, you can look at graphs. And with a low carb or keto healthy fat, not much insulin is used. There's not much blood glucose swing. So insulin will go up, then it'll go down, then it'll go up a little bit. And then beautifully, it'll go really low, low enough to set up the actual lipolysis or fat burning in that 18 hours of not eating. So every day you're burning a little bit of your own body fat every day for calories, for satiation. And again, think about burning, even if it's a little bit, but compounding, like compounding interest, we all know mm. that can pay big dividends, literally same way for fat loss and regaining your health. Yeah. And, um, What's your, I guess I'm curious now, so now you're into, you know, you're a coach at the fasting method, health coach, um, and you're coaching others and you, you've had this great weight loss journey. Um, what's your routine now? What does it look like now? And I'm sure it changes, you know, throughout the, you know, depending on the day or, but I'm curious to know what you do now. And, uh, yes, absolutely. And let me just for my clients, because I did mention this. And our website is thefastingmethod.com. I mentioned something called alternate day fasting. And this is when people get really good at those 18 hour and sometimes 24 hours, or maybe they get really busy and, and they go overnight. And that going overnight is so powerful because I talked about organ fat. It gives the body an additional opportunity. We talked about it as a tool. The body will go, aha, I, I've really depleted um, liver glycogen. I'm producing ketones and people love their brains on ketones. Ketones will go preferentially to the brains. And something that people love is what we continue. So I'm reading this book called Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg. And really habits stick when they're emotionally satisfying. So, you know, people feel great with the method we do. So just briefly, alternate day fasting can be very, very powerful, uh, especially if people haven't quite gotten where they want to with um, real food, primal, paleo, low carb, keto version, and exercise. It would be um, three 36 or 42 hour fast. Most people will have, so 42 hour fast would be going from dinner, say Sunday, Mm -hmm. not eating Monday to lunch on Tuesday. Okay. So most people have end up having two meals on Saturday and Sunday so they can participate in family and, you know, um, social outings. Then they won't eat Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and they'll have two meals on Tuesday and Thursday. And that can simplify work week so much. You only have to really can plan for 
eat, um, you know, cook, um, however you want to do it four times during the traditional work week, it can really provide benefits. Um, yeah. What it looks like now for me is a, a lot of um, 18 sex, some one meal a day days. I do like, um, we're recording this on a Monday. I like to think of uh, Monday as, um, I got this term from Mike Mutzel, but metabolic Monday. So Mondays usually always at least a one meal a day day and probably every other week to every third week, it's at least a 42 hour fast. So I like, um, and then I like once a quarter to have a three day fast and once a year to have a five day fast. So that's, that's what things look like now. Yeah, no, I like that. And I mean, obviously you've been doing this for a while. So, you know, like you said, your, your fasting muscle is, is strong. <laughs> um, and I go, I like to do the same thing. I do do some extended fasts. Um, I haven't done a three or five day. Um, what is, what, are, what is that? Like, I'm curious how you do a five day fast once a, once, once a year. Um, how does that look? It's, it's really interesting. So, um, I will, you know, it's funny because Dr. Fung and Megan, we, we really focus on effectiveness and N1 and what's best for the, for the person. So one, one thing to be mindful of is we live in a very toxic environment and this is a good thing, but it can, um, I've experienced my wife and my clients have as well. You will, because fasting is so powerful for lipolysis or fat burning, it can release some of the toxins that were stored in our body. So then we need to get those toxins into our cells and out of our cells. This could be a whole hour itself, mm -hmm. but things like sauna can help. Things like really well-researched, safe binders done correctly. I don't have time to, but something like activated charcoal can help. Right. But I like to support my liver. I So I often do extended fasting as bone broth fast. So either high quality, store-bought bone broth, or when we've made our own, maybe one to three cups. Um, you know, there's lots of nutrients. Um, uh, it's a great way to make sure I get all my salt. Bone broth and salt go together uh, so well. So you'll so have, has, you, yeah. I'm sorry. So you'll have one to three cups of bone broth during those extended fasts. Is that right? I will. I will. A high quality bone broth. And I measure, um, I think, again, our body is on our side. You know, my ketones uh, after that, that first night, so into the second day, they're usually above two. And then my, my blood glucose will stay right around 80. You know, my ketones will be usually on the subsequent days, you know, three or four. I'm just, I'm producing ketones, my blood glucose. And the, the amazing thing is that um, you can also get uh, euphoria. And a lot of our clients, some clients, it depends on the client, they, they, they do more three-day fast as their protocol or even five-day fast and the alternate day fasting because they find, especially on day three, four, and five, they're the least hungry. 
Mm -hmm. Ironically, days three, four, and five become the easiest and they get that mental clarity. I've had clients tell me that they've solved decades long uh, work problems, right. <laughs> like engineers be, and uh, it's well known throughout history, this kind of incredible clarity. Um, it's, it's probably because more, more fuel is um, being supplied to the brain on ketones and it's such a great fuel for our brains are, you know, our brains and, and bodies just love that. And, you know, I mentioned my blood glucose being steady. So humans have always had the fast throughout history um, out of necessity. So it's the ultimate not fad diet. The mm -hmm. only time in human history that we've even eaten three meals a day has been the last hundred years. The only time we've eaten more than three meals a day has been since the 1980s. And, and that hasn't worked out well. So I want people to be aware of that. Fasting is not the fad. That's why we can supply all the glucose we need um, from our own bodies, um, uh, protein and fat, triglyceride, it has a, a glycerol background or back, backbone or stored fat. Our bodies can um, convert that. So people don't have to worry, especially as they build up their fasting muscle. So, um, you know, we talked about it not being comfortable off the bat, but lots of people end up really enjoying the three and five days. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's no wrong way to do it. If, if uh, you know, you want to do it with... Um, bone broth. And, and I didn't complete that thought, but bone broth is very supportive of the liver. So I, I feel like on longer fast, I'm detoxing more because I tend to lose, I regain about 50% of this, maybe sometimes 60%. But on the longer fast, I tend to lose like two pounds on the scale. So I'll be losing, you know, 10 pounds in a five day fast. That's a lot of fat burning. So I want to support. So I'll take saunas as well. You know, you want to be mindful with saunas that you also build up your, your fasting or sauna muscle, but yeah, so it, it can feel really good. It can feel really good. Um, yeah. If you want to try one, I would definitely suggest um, doing it with bone broth and being mindful that you may be experiencing some, not because it isn't working, but because it is working and maybe some toxins that were stored in the deeper fat that you're getting to in a longer fast. Um, you know, you, you want to be mindful of addressing those toxins in a, in an actionable way. Yeah. And a uh, quality bone broth. I mean, is the main reason you do that for the, mainly for the, the minerals, the electrolytes, just the, the, the hydration of it. Um, those, it's a great, yes, the, um, and it's got a lot of, um, nutrients with certainly not, it doesn't interrupt my fat burning at all. Right. It may, it may, may or may not interrupt autophagy for right. a little bit and it helps extend fast. And it, it's, even though I'm used to it, it, I, I since I only do a five day I'm used to shorter fasting once a year. Mm -hmm. It can even help, um, you know, with some of that, that hunger, especially on day two, 
sometimes day two is a little tricky for me. Mm-hmm. So it has multiple benefits. Yeah. And we won't go into autophagy. I actually, I just, uh, did a podcast on how, how, if coffee affects autophagy, um, what are your thoughts around black coffee? So, uh, one of the people we work with, um, Dr. Nadir Ali and a D I R and, uh, A L I, uh, it, so we talk a lot in the fasting method, and I'm sure you do with your clients, N equals one. And it's part of the kind of cool puzzle solving, being a health coach and enlisting the other person on really observing their responses and so forth and so on. So it, it depends because some people may be having cortisol issues and, and coffee might backfire, but from, so it, but from an autophagic standpoint, it does seem to actually black coffee be pro autophagic. Hmm. And so does green and, and uh, green tea. Black, black tea. Yes. Yeah. And then there also um, cinnamon seems to be pro autophagic. I'm a fan of Ceylon cinnamon because it's safer. It doesn't have that uh, Saigon cinnamon. You, can you can't have that much of it um so cinnamon um uh potentially uh turmeric as well so uh yeah that it's really it's really cool yeah and i i I say you know black coffee it's one of those things it can help you perhaps get through the fast and um and if it does then 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 go for it i wouldn't put a ton of sugar or creamer and stuff like that i mean i know people like to do we won't get into it but you know the bulletproof coffees and things like that um and i know we're running up on time i'll just ask you this uh larry what would be i know we've talked about a a bunch of different things but what would be maybe one tip you'd give someone who wanted to just get get their body back to what it once was you know maybe 5 10 15 years ago and you know let's say they're in their middle aged yeah i think um to I, I would I would kind of say mindset to um, to think of it as an adventure to embrace it to think of it as um, what we're talking about as kind of a, a a celebration of what life can be what you can be uh, connect with as many whys mm-hmm. for making these habit changes as you can do mine wasn't particularly the mirror. There's nothing wrong with it being right. the mirror, but it, it could be my big one was not wanting to be hungry all the time. Right. So ironically, I most people expect a diet to make them hungrier, but we talked about some of the biology of hunger. I, so I connected my journey with a, a sense of better quality of life and actually freedom. And also that... When we do, it, it sounds like you're a very accomplished health coach. Things things get easier, not harder. So it's not like you will not invoke starvation mode. You'll be getting less and less hungry. You'll start enjoying food more, believe it or not, because you'll start enjoying umami and savory and bitter. Your um, sweet tooth will adjust. So all of a sudden, 85, 90, 95% percent 
chocolate will become enjoyable and you'll be able to sustain this. I'm, I'm sure you're all about this. Not a short-term plan at all, but giving people the real science and, and changes and support to make this a lifestyle, an enjoyable lifestyle for the rest of their life. So yeah, think of it that way. Don't think of it, think of it as a way of eating and way of living change, not as a diet. And that and that it, it's a gift. It's not um, a restriction or or um, it, it's something taken with a sense of joy and adventure and possibility. Yeah, well said. <laughs> well said. No, no need to elaborate on that. Um, well, this is great. We're the best place I know. The fastingmethod.com, right to find yes. you. Yeah. Yeah. We, and it's so great. We have do it yourself options and a one week trial on that with incredible resources and support. And then there's also a tab for coaching and all of the coaches, including me. So that's for people that want to have one-on-one sessions with a coach. And it includes two um, visits, the the packages with um, two wonderful doctors. So it can really help people that, um, you know, are, are maybe more busy. And, but then there's also the quote unquote, do it yourself option. Um, they can email me at any time. It's Larry with two R's, L-A-R-R-Y at the fasting method.com. Um, I'm on uh, Twitter at nature boy RR and uh, Instagram nature boy RR. And uh, our website's just wonderful. And just to let people know there's one website when you aren't a member. And then if you choose to become a member, you can right. trial it in that one week trial. All of a sudden you get these uh, member only message boards, regular questions and answers with Dr. Fong and Megan Ramos entire courses. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just a whole different site when you become a member. Yeah, and it's great support community. I think that's all important when you're trying to you know, go on your health journey and um, well, Larry, I'll, I'll definitely put all the links in, in the show notes so people can find you. And um, this was great. We probably could have talked for another hour, but um, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for the opportunity and, and thank you for helping folks. It's, you know, it, it almost feels guilty at times, doesn't it? Because it's so, so much fun helping people, but uh, it, it's win-win, which is, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I think society needs a lot more win-win scenarios. I agree. I agree. Well, thanks so much, Larry. Thank you. Have a, have a great 2021 yourself and your loved ones and everyone out there. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.